Chris Dombrowski writes, teaches, and plies the rivers of western Montana. His nonfiction debut, Body of Water, was published to enthusiastic reviews in 2016. Also the author of two acclaimed poetry collections, his work has appeared in over 100 journals, including Poetry, Orion, Outside, The Southern Review, and The Sun. He joins us today in this episode of Good, True, and Beautiful. But before we get started, a message from this episode's featured nonprofit. Gravity, a center for contemplative activism, is for people who care about their spirituality and want to make the world a better place. We're located in Omaha, Nebraska, in the heartland of America, but we work with people all over the country and around the world. We offer contemplative retreats, spiritual direction, and Enneagram consultations and workshops. Learn more about what we're doing at gravitycenter.com. Hey friends, Ashton here, and welcome back to another episode of Good, True, and Beautiful. Uh, It's amazing how various roads uh, wind throughout our lives, and uh, we cross paths with new friends that help us cross paths with new friends, and last week, that's exactly what happened. Uh, I was on retreat, and a a new friend of mine talked to me about an author and a poet, uh, an outdoorsman, an angler that he'd been reading, and uh, I looked this guy up. His name was Chris Dombrowski, and uh, from the moment I started sifting through his poetry and his body of work, I said, man, this guy is one of us, and uh, we need to hear uh, how he sees the world, how he seeks wisdom, and how he's making something good, true, and beautiful with his life. So uh, I reached out to him and said, hey, you want to come on? And he said, yeah, let's do it. And uh, so with that being said, Chris Dombrowski joins us from the beautiful Missoula, Montana. Chris, welcome. Hey, thanks, Ashton. I'm glad to be here. So um, where do we begin? I mean, I feel like we got a, we got a road we're going to walk here, but when you introduce yourself and your work in the world, where do you begin? That's a great question. Um, it's kind of changed over the years. For ages, I would, you know, I would try to explain everything. I, I'm a fishing guide, a poet, a, a nonfiction author. I direct a a writer's workshop as well in Missoula, and I've I've taught forever. Additionally, um, now I just say I'm a writer. You know, it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit simpler. And um, and I've kind of come to the point in my life where um, the portions of my life uh, that seemed disparate you know at one time or fragmentary have have finally come together and do a little bit of um uh, a whole cloth if you will or a little bit of um a quilt a braid maybe i'm mixing my metaphors there but you you see what i mean um yeah so um you know i'm a writer who occasionally has to do a few other things to um to keep the lights on in the writing studio but um yeah, I, I guide fishing trips June through October. Um, I direct a writing workshop, which includes a big conference every August called the Beargrass Writers Workshop. Um, I ha- am the author of three books of poems, most recently um, Ragged Anthem, which came out last spring, or spring of 19. And then um, one book of nonfiction, Body of Water, uh, I do. I still do a fair amount of freelance writing, which I enjoy more and more. 
and I'm at work on my uh, second book of nonfiction, which has um, to date about 20 or 25 working titles, which I'll, I'll spare you from those. So. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. And, and I, I would be remiss um, not to add that um, I have a beautiful family as well. My wife, Mary, is a teacher, and we have three kiddos, Luca, Molly, and Lily, who are ages 14, 11, and almost nine. Lily and Mary share a birthday three or four days from today. They, they were they were born um, on the same day, July 2nd, also at the same minute, 1032. So. Wow, 1032, July 2nd. That's, yes. that's on the books. Yes. I know. Buy your lottery <laughs> ticket. <laughs> Buy your lottery ticket. I love it. Um, beautiful. So you do, listen, I, uh, I'm always drawn to people that um, have multiple dimensions, that, that have layers, that are uh are you know figuring this thing out and going through all different mediums to do it whether it's fishing riding being a dad uh, whatever that may be um one thing i always ask guys like yourself is do you have any like daily rituals disciplines or practices um that you found uh that just every day they're kind of your non-negotiables things that happen uh to keep you in tune and rhythm uh you know, to this life you want to lead. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, it's taken me years to come to be comfortable, um, with, uh, you know, the notion of ritual. I think uh, maybe some other, some of your listeners may, may share this experience, but, um, you know, when we're young, depending on what tradition we grow up in, um, those rituals are sort of I think prescribed maybe, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and that, that rarely works, um, you know, late, yeah. uh, the old, the older you get. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I do, I have many, um, rituals. Um, I mean, my family would say like, dad is, is wicked superstitious, you know? Um, I don't really, <laughs> I don't think of it that way, but I, I think that there are, um, certain practices that I, I hold to. And, um, some of them are probably too, you know, too private to share, but others sure. aren't, um, you know, I read, um, this, this year, um, I love the, um, the teacher Thich Nhat Hanh. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, um, you know, his book, Buddha mind, Buddha body has been a real important one in my life. Super, super important for me about four or five years ago. And he has an incredible, um, passage at the end of that book is called the five earth touchings hmm. um which is just a wonderful um i'll send it to you over email i'll send you the pdf of it but it, it's um kind of um it, i would call it like a, a five-step um awakening and reconciliation you know um it's something i'd love to do every day i'd probably end up doing it once every few months you know yeah. um but but daily yeah when i sit down to write i have um some rituals that I partake in and, and every day in the morning as well. Um, one this year that really became exceptionally important to me was um, I was reading this book, Old Path, White Clouds, which is Thich Nhat Hanh's um, maybe 800 or so, nah, 600 or so page um, account of the life of the Buddha. And um, so I read, basically a chapter in that every day 
and um and tried to do there's a breathing exercise in there that the buddha teaches his disciples hmm. you know kind of midway through his own life and um so i try to do that every day and and um yeah it was it, it was um a real kind of revivifying practice um i think i'm i'm super hesitant to share uh share yeah no worries kinds man. of things you know i mean yeah. i i believe um I, i've always been struck by the um line from jesus in the gospels when he says like you know when you pray you should go into a room and close right. the door yep. right yeah and so um so i'm always hesitant to share but i, I i'm I'll take it as a given that that um, you know you understand what I mean Absolutely. when I say that. So um, yeah, so that was a I mean that was a fabulous. I read the book twice. I, I was wow. there's there's really not a dog-eared uh, page yeah. in it of my copy, and um, yeah, it's fantastic. I think um, you know um, if without that without that that sort of those rituals in my practice, I don't know if I would trust it, um, mm. I think they become a way for me to, um, hopefully put my, myself and my ego aside before yeah. I, you know, I get down to business. Yeah. So that's um, a good word. Yeah. That's a good word. Yeah. I read, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh last year, how to fight, which is, which is like, huh? Thich Nhat Hanh wrote a book called how to fight. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Um, but it fits in your pocket. And I mean, it's just a series of, um, very, very short paragraphs, but, um, yeah, he's been a gift to many of us. And, yeah, um, for sure. Um, uh, and, and he, you don't have to go the, you know, if some of our listeners hear this, you don't have to go the 600, 800 page deep with it. You know, I, I kind of tippy toed into some of his work. Um, and, uh, but I think you'll, I think you'll find it yeah, deep and yes, wide once you get it totally. in there. I mean, I would, I would start with like the miracle of mindfulness, which is a, a real slim volume, you know, and then, Buddha mind, Buddha body is another one that that um, gets a little bit deeper with regard to like thought formation and and how that how the smallest things that we do affect the yep. greatest things that yep. we do. You know, um, yep. and old path this, this book I referred to it's really just a narrative. You know, mm. um, and um, it's exceptional, but it's very you know God incredibly prescient in in terms of its um, the way it speaks to our current, um, cultural moment, if you will, you know, I don't want to get too, get too heavy too early in the discussion, (laughs) but, um, yeah, so that's, you know, I've got my things and I try to stick to them. Um, an old teacher used to say, um, if you're looking for a holy word, try routine. And I don't know if she she stole that mm. quote from someone, but that's good. Uh, that's I, good. I like that's that's what works for me yep. for sure. Yep, yep. You got to show up, and then the and then the work's done to you. It's not the work that we do; it's just showing up, and then the work. Yeah, done to us, yeah. You know? That's right. Yeah. Um, an old beloved friend of mine, Jim Harrison, used to quote uh, the French poet Rene Char. He said, "Our only job is to be there when the bread comes fresh from the oven." Oh, that's good. That's real good. <laughs> That's real good. I'm sure you've read a bunch of Stephen Pressfield. Yeah. 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 Sounds like something he'd say. Yeah. That's great. Um, 
So uh, you're in Missoula, beautiful spot, always good mm-hmm. tunes coming through. You're on the river uh, every, day. every day in the summer. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I'm on I-35 in Waco, Texas. So I'm just, I, I'm sitting here going, there's just gotta be some things in your periphery that helps kind of channel some of your creativity. Um, talk to me about your love of the outdoors and your love of poetry and writing, which, mm-hmm. which one for you came first? It's a great question. Yeah. I mean, um, cause your writing is just full of reflections on earth Mm -hmm. you know i mean it's just very i would call it very very earthy nature-based writing it's gorgeous um but i just i was i was curious where did it yeah what stirred i would say that's a great great one i mean um it would definitely be my love for for the physical world um but but very soon after that i i had a teacher a wonderful teacher kind of junior year of high school um who handed me a river runs through it um <laughs> by norman mclean and um bye bye yeah that was it pretty <laughs> much i mean at that moment i thought i read the book in one sitting or you know and over the course of one day and wow. i thought to myself holy cow you know um I have to try this because it was such a um, transformative experience to um, read sentences on a page and be transported out of my seat in Michigan where I was, I was, I grew up in a town called East Lansing there. And, uh, you know, to read that and feel that I had been set back into, uh, you know, a river Wow. Uh, and I'd, I'd fished a fair amount as a kid. I was, I, I played a lot of sports as well. So the physical was very important to me. And, um, you know, in many ways, reading that book became, um, a blessing, but also a, a charge as well. And, and it was, um, you know, the point at which I said, I have to try this and which by which I mean, trying to form sentences in American English that um, would transport the reader similarly to the way that I had been uh, transported when I read that book for the first time. So, wow. um, so I, you know, that teacher, Jim Klondo was a, uh, in a quite a blessing um, in my life as he was for many people. Yeah. You know, he was, he was a stud of a teacher and um, who, I don't know where I'd be without him. Hmm. Wow. Well, uh, when you, when you read a river runs through it, did, did, did you, was, was, was your soul a magnet to Montana at that point? Or is there a backstory to getting there? That's a great question. And I was actually writing about this last spring and winter. Um, I think not so much. I was so overwhelmed by the language. Hmm. Um, and you know, that the Blackfoot river and, and Western Montana wasn't really a, um, uh, a destination, but Montana soon became one, uh, you know, kind of a, a destination of the heart, if you will, yeah. you know, um, yeah. there's a great kind of Ignatian line in a poet, Richard Hugo's work. He says, I dreamed here before I was here, you know? <laughs> um, and so the, yeah, there's, there's some of that for sure. Um, but when I first moved to Montana, I moved to, um, to Bozeman and, the Blackfoot because of um, some mining 
troubles was not a great fishery. Uh, mm. So it was, you know, 10 or so years before uh, or several anyway, before I started guiding on the Blackfoot. And and uh, now I, I really want um, I want a, a copy of the old edition of A River Runs Through It so that I can frame that cover because um, the the copy I have right now has a, um, which was probably released in 1992 has a, um, Russell Chatham painting on it, um, which is not any, it's a spring Creek in Livingston. And then, um, the newest edition has a forward from Annie Prue, but the old, old edition has a, a kind of a, just a grainy photo of the Blackfoot Valley, um, yeah. which is, you know, pretty special considering yeah. I spend, uh, a ton of my time there. It's your, yeah. it's your office. It's probably yeah. one of your offices. It yeah. Sure is for sure. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's well, it. Uh, be- yeah. Beautiful. So, um, let's talk creative writing and then kind of the alignment with life. I, a friend of ours was on this podcast not long ago. Um, Allie Fallon. And, and she said something that really struck a chord with me. She said to be stuck in my writing is to be stuck in my life. Hmm. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that was pretty much what she said. Um, have Have you found a similar parallel between your creative writing and just your overall, you know, the the feel, the peace, the rest, the renewal of your life? Are they one and the same, or are for you are they not so connected? Um. Yeah, I think the older I get they are one in the same. I don't mm. think that necessarily that the, um, you know, there's, there's a little bit of autobiographical dissonance that occurs when writing first person nonfiction and certainly when writing, um, poetry. Yeah. But I think what I hear her saying is, um, that she loves being stuck in her life. Right. Or, or does she mean that she, um, uh, when she's, when she has writer's block, there's something that, um, bingo yeah. yeah yeah she's more saying you know when i'm when i'm stuck in my writing there's something in my life yeah. there's a hindrance there's some there's some headwind that i haven't dealt with probably a hundred a hundred a hundred percent agree yeah i mean um i another practice that i have i may have to let my dog in the studio with me bring he's, him on he's outside hold on one second i'm gonna get back Z, come on come on let's go um yeah another practice i have during the winter is um is yoga i do a lot of bikram yoga or i should say i i I go once or twice a week and it is it's almost like clockwork for me when i'm when i'm stuck in a um or in an editorial funk or can't seem to make something cohere um editorially um i'll hit a certain pose in the like maybe 15 or 20 minutes into the series of poses in yoga and it's like something unlocks in my brain you know and um and i'm able to to see my way out of it but yeah I, i think when i first started writing um you know i probably saw it as an escape from life or try to see it as an escape from life. But now I really feel it, that it's, it's a deeper immersion, hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I've always loved something John Coltrane said. Um, I read it 
um, not early enough <laughs> in my adult <laughs> life, but um, he said, you know, um, you can improve as a player by improving as a human being. Mm. I mean, yeah. that is just the most stunning thing from from arguably the most talented you know, jazz musician of, of his generation, you know, um, to, to, to say that and to think that I read a bunch of Coltrane biographies when I was in my early twenties. And and that was something that always stuck with me because there, yeah, there's, she's right. There's no separation. Um, uh, the degree, yeah. Um, Yeah. The degree to which we can become more human, become better human is the degree to which we can become better at all things we do. Yeah, do you know Gary Snyder's work at uh-uh. all? Mm-mm. He's a um, he's a poet, philosopher. I mean, naturalist. He taught in the University of California system forever. But um, his probably his most beloved book is called "The Practice of the Wild." But I mean, he's he's got he's written twenty or so volumes of of, of poetry and um, and lots of what would be called um, generally eco philosophy, um, as well, but not, not super high minded, real, real gritty kind of rooted in the, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't consider myself a philosopher. It takes me ages to read, you know, even someone like Paul Shepard or something like that. But anyway, Snyder is in this interview with someone and, um, they, they ask him about his practice um, or they ask him about um, the practice of creative writing. And he says, um, there's no such thing as the practice of creative writing. There, there's only such thing as your practice in mm. your life. Meaning like your practice That's good. in life includes your practice of writing. Uh, it's not exclusionary or anything like that. So I've always, I mean, it's, it's something to aspire to anyway. No you doubt. Know? No um, doubt. That's real yeah. good. What was his name again? Gary Snyder. Gary Snyder. Yeah, the book that people would love is called Practice of the Wild. Okay, right on. Um, do you keep a journal? Do you take notes? I mean, I just, I sometimes wonder, as I reflect on your poetry, always in my head, I, I see you guiding down a river and then getting it home, back at home and going, oh yeah, and I saw this today. Or, mm. <laughs> and so I was kind of wondering... How do you sift through all of the bits of beauty and reverence and awe and wonder that's coming at you uh, and put it in your pocket? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's become, <laughs> or I, it's become less of a source of angst for me over the years. Hmm. When I first started guiding. I, I tried harder and harder to keep many, many notes going at one time. You know, I'd have a notebook or I'd have a always like on receipts in the um, glove box of yeah. the car or something like that. And, and now I just try to, you know, pluck one or two images from the day. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm probably not as productive as I used to be, but I'm less of a jerk. Cause I'm not, you know, always, um, I'm not always obsessed with it, but I do I have tons of journals, you know, all over my, my office, my studio. And, and, um, particularly when working on, um, 
Body of Water, my nonfiction book, and then yeah. this new nonfiction book as well. A lot of it is is stringing together old notes um, and journal journal entries, and um, just trying to make trying to make them cohere um, uh, because life, especially our you know, postmodern life or whatever we're, we're in right now, um, has a way of becoming fragmentary, you know? So, um, uh, I've been one of the kind of maybe overly philosophical, um, notions I've been working with in this new book. Uh, I've been trying to keep it implicit and, and as beneath the surface as possible is the notion of, um, a river, as a single contiguous body of water from the headwaters from its headwaters to the mouth, right. Wherever it um, either reaches confluence with another river or, you know, in the case of like the Columbia reaches the ocean. Um, there is no, nothing separate from anything that happens to it from beginning to end. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um and yet we don't really think of it that way. And that's the same, I think, in the same way we, we regard our lives similarly, right? We think of moments or, um, I don't know, I just, I think of my own life anyway as way more fragmentary than that. But I don't think that's um, an actuality. I think that's a perception yeah, of, yeah. of it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the older you get, the, the, more, the more things one, O-N-E. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. That's a great that's a great phrase. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Can you hear my dog whining? Hey, it's, if I no, and if I could it'd be perfect. So, <laughs> Good, okay. Um we uh we've got no rules here. All dogs welcome. Great. Um Great. Yeah, love that idea. Remind me to send you a poem I wrote about the river not long ago. Okay. Um Talk to me about um a habit you have now that maybe you wished you'd had as a younger lad. Um, and maybe habits, mm. maybe habits a bad way, just something that, that you hold now differently than you did when you were younger. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's easy. I think, um, I just started drinking wine earlier. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I would have skipped the, skipped the vodka stage, but, um, no, I, I think it took me a long time to realize that, um, that a daily practice was essential to any, um, to any growth or any, um, I don't want to say success, but just, just progress, you know? Um, and for a long time, I think I, I relied a little bit too much on inspiration Mm. and, um, you know, it was years before I encountered the old Rodan quote where he says, I, I don't have time for inspiration. Mm. Um, and so I wish, I mean, I could, I wish I could tell my younger self, um, just, you know, go to the work, put your faith in the practice and the rest will take care of itself. Um, uh, yeah. Do you know the writer James Lee Burke? Mm-mm. You're giving me He's all new mis- stuff today. I'm loving it. Yeah, he, He's a mystery writer that um, that people love. He's a beloved um, Montana writer. He writes um, these Dave Robichaux um, novels 
that take place, a lot of them anyway, take place in Louisiana, a little town called New Iberia. But I, I guarantee you some of your listeners will know him. Um, I used to teach a class at the university called Montana Writers Live, and each week we would have a, a local writer. You know, Missoula is blessed with just this incredible wealth of practicing immensely talented writers and so james lee burke was um was in town and for the fall and he said he would come by so you know the students would read a selection of the author's work and then we would discuss it the next tuesday and then the author would come in and give a brief reading and then do a q a it was really a fantastic um class and i remember him saying something to the students someone asked you know the inevitable question like how do you um how did you become a successful writer or something like that and he'd had an interesting path his first novel was a finalist for the pulitzer wow um yeah they they made it into a movie study starring um tom tommy uh what's the guy's name tommy grizzled old cowboy um you know his name he was in no country for old men um yeah yeah. yeah. anyway um the lost get back boogie i think was the name of that book and so it it had been a finalist for the pulitzer and then he couldn't sell a second book he just couldn't sell his next book Hmm. and um this other writer rick d marina said to him well have you ever tried writing like a mystery or a thriller and and he said no you know i'm i'm a literary writer and blah 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 um Anyway, what he started doing was writing these incredibly um, literary, immensely readable um, mysteries and became like one of the best selling authors in the country. But he said this to the class, to the students um, who asked this question, how 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 did you become successful or whatever? He said something and I'm really paraphrasing now, but he said. um, The moment that you realize the work is not about you. The moment when you are able to give your work to something else. And he said that you can call it a higher power. You can call it, um, you know, your, your family, your ancestors, um, you know, nowadays in modern times, we would call it our intention. Right. Um, But uh, he said, the moment you're able to do that, your work will be freed into a successful realm. And um, that's something that's always stuck with me. And I think, um, you know, I still struggle with um, letting go of the work. Yeah. I I, I I was about to say it's detachment. Yeah. I mean, I believe um, first and foremost in intense integrity in terms of, how the work gets crafted and um so i don't i don't by any stretch of the imagination want to suggest that um discipline or practice isn't required but i think what he's saying was saying is beyond that after you've absolutely um given every ounce of sweat and blood and tears that you have to the work then it's time to let it go yeah. And and, yeah. and 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 give it a life of its own. So, I don't know what, how we got down that little side channel no. there, but um, yeah, I can't remember what you asked that got me there. No, but. I love it. I love it. Um, and lastly, this I, I kind of asked this too to to everybody. Um, 
What's currently keeping you curious? Well, the river every day, you know. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, every day the river um, is keeping me curious. Um, I'm curious to see what, what's going to happen to um, this manuscript that I um, kind of put aside for the summer. Um, I, I kind of worked all year on it and all last year, and it'll it's I've had a little bit of a... Um, freak out detachment from it in the last <laughs> month when I've been on the river, but you know, our, our children are so beautiful. They're always keeping me curious. Um, my wife has this new French perfume that I got her for mother's day. That's, it's got me curious. <laughs> um, yeah, there's just no, and there's, there's no end to it. That's it's right. Just, You're um, right. Yeah. Curiosity, I think is, um, you know, it's, it leads to connectivity and, um, and, yeah. and that's, that's yeah. leads to joy for me. So, Bingo. um, yeah. Bingo, man. Um, so when are we going to, when are we going to continue this chat on a river? We need to figure this out. I uh, think we've got, we got, we have to podcast on the that's river. That's what I'm thinking. I'm, 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 yeah. already, I'm already wondering like, how am I going to handle the wind issue? But like, we need mm-hmm. to, we'll just mic up. And it, it just may be a good seven-hour session. I think that sounds awesome. And it may uh, have a lot of silence it. too, which yeah. everyone needs to get used to. <laughs> um, we can try it this this fall. We um, you don't bird hunt, do you? Yes, sir. Oh well, you you need to come. Yeah, you got to come this fall. It's a done deal. It's a done um, deal. Can I bring Zeke's my dad? Zeke's right here. Zeke, he'll recognize your voice when you get here. He's our <laughs> he's our Llewellyn setter, our our bird dog. Um. Oh yeah, early or or mid October. I think that's a fantastic time. Um, yeah, let's do it. Right, I man. want to. Beautiful. Well, you are a rad, rad soul. I am super stoked to dig in more to your work, and uh, uh, I'm just grateful to have a new friend in Montana. And I hope you and I can pass notes back and forth for many years to come. Done deal. Let's do it. All right, man. Thanks so much for coming All on. All right. Thanks so much, Ashton. See you. Hey, before you go, don't forget to hit subscribe right there on your phone. That's probably where you're listening. Uh, And if you enjoyed this, would you mind leaving us a review? One of the things that we're wanting to do is get this information out to as many people as we can. And we are finding that uh, when people leave good, true, and beautiful reviews, uh, that helps us get this information out more and more to people all across the world. I do not take it lightly uh, that you invite me to ride shotgun with you in your car. Uh, You allow these conversations to be a part of your jogs. You allow these conversations to be a part of the communities and families and businesses that you've been entrusted. Uh, I do not take that lightly at all, and I am thrilled uh, that you have joined us here at this table, at this conversation. There's always a seat left. There's always room for more, uh, and we are just so grateful for you guys joining us here at Good, True, and Beautiful. And as you approach this week, may you pause by the orchid. Listen to the bluebirds sing and be love.